Well, what's up, church? Welcome to the Midweek Podcast. We are uh, Pastor Sam here, uh, Ross, and Daniel. Hey. Three, three pastors. Uh, we're, we're, not, we're not PhDs on these topics that we bring, but we, uh, we've been trained to study the Word, and we've been called to, to, to help train you, church. And we, we want to do that on this really amazing topic, something we do each week as a church, the Lord's Supper. And Sam just preached um, on Easter Sunday about uh, what is going on in that supper. It was a sweet sermon. And out of that, um, you know, he, he called us to, to do a podcast to try to answer some important questions. And, and uh, there's going to be two parts to this because this is a, a massive topic, one that the church has divided over in, uh, through history. And, and so we're going to try to first answer a question uh, you know, that's pretty, pretty <laughs> a simple question, but massive implications, really important. And that is, um, is this, is Jesus's word, this is my body, this is my blood. Is he speaking literally of his body and his blood? Or is it symbolic? That's what we want to try to get after. And we want to try to answer the question by looking to scripture. Um, we're going to do our best to exegete a number of different texts. Sam's going to do the, uh, you know, he's going to do a lot of the, the heavy lifting here. But we're going to, Ross and I are going to try to chime in where we can. We want to try to answer that question for you. We hope this serves you. In the next podcast, um, we, we, Lord willing, Michael Patterson, one of our leaders, is going to jump on with us and ask some more specific questions um, from from the text and and elsewhere. So look forward to to. Um, hearing from him and, and getting some, some other perspective. So mm-hmm. let's go ahead and dive in. Sam, let's start with you. Lead us, brother. Where do you want to, uh, where do you want to answer? How do you want to first answer this question? From yeah. The so I want to start with Luke 22, cause that's what I just preached on. And as I was studying it and laboring over the text and saying, God, what do you have for us? And what is your text saying? I came to the conclusion that the emphasis was not trying to answer this question. Sure. And because of that, I did. I pivoted in that Easter sermon to focus on more of the the big picture that the Lord's Supper is is going backwards, looking back to the Passover and what God has done for His people, but looking forward as well into the return of Christ in this great marriage supper, of the Lamb. And that was primarily because the emphasis of the text, where He talked about He won't eat or drink until He eats it with them in the kingdom of God. Um, and, uh, and then in Matthew's version, he makes it even, a little, even more con- specific about how he'll eat it with the, the kingdom of his father with them. And, and so that, that's the emphasis connecting it to the resurrection and so forth for Easter. But this, this idea of uh, Jesus says, this is my body. And, and it's really important for us to really grasp what, what is Jesus saying here? Because it changes a lot. Like, what are we doing every Sunday when we take the Lord's Supper and we say, this is my body, is something happening to this bread? Is God um, somehow incarnating in a fresh way and transforming that bread into some sort of flesh um, in a mysterious way where you can't discern his flesh, but you're, you're ingesting um, the son in some way. And you're taking him and, and partaking in his body in some sort of literal way. Or is there some sor- sort of other mystical thing that is here or is it symbolic and we're not going to do justice to all the different kind of streams of thoughts in throughout the church history in this podcast on how people have interpreted it. We're just going to look at this text and say, okay, what does the text say? And what would, what would a reasonable 
um, conclusion be from the text that we have been given? Church history is important. Other theologians' writings are super important. We want to look at those to see if we have blind spots or we're missing some interpretation. But we just want to start just straight up from the text. Mm. And hopefully that's the pattern that you've learned you've learned and seen in our life as pastors, as well as what you we would hope you would ingest, uh, not ingest, <laughs> uh, internalize is your practice too. So, so we look to church history, look at other lit- literature, commentaries. Um, they're greatly helpful, but they're not primary. So That's we go good. to, go to yeah. the text first, as, a, as they, they, they said in, uh, what was that one line? Ad fontis, like back to the sources. Yeah, yeah, to mm-hmm. the we want to go to the sources. Mm-hmm. And when I prep, prep this passage, I literally, you know, um, ask myself, okay, God, I, I, I want to go wherever the text goes. If, mm-hmm. if it is a literal thing, as weird and creepy as that sounds and I don't, as mysterious as that is to me, I'm open to it. I mean, as many as some of you guys know, one of my big mentors and, and a big influence in my life is Francis Chan. And he's taking a more literal position right now. Sure. And so that just kind of gave me a little nudge to say, hey, maybe it's not crazy. So I literally look at the text and say, God, whatever you want, I'll go. And that's kind of what Francis taught me to do. Mm. And so the question is, what did I see in the text as I stared at it? You know, as much as possible trying to take away any baggage or anything I'm trying to impose onto the text, making it something. So let's look at it. So he says, so we we spent a great deal in the sermon talking about verse 15 through um uh, 17, talking about the uh, the first cup and also the specifically um, this picture of this coming kingdom. Yeah. Um, that is, he's going to partake this meal with them one day. Uh, verse 18 as well, until the kingdom of God comes. And then verse 19 is where we get into it. So Luke, 19, Luke 22, verse 19. Jesus took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body which is given for you. Now, just stopping there, people could immediately say, Sam, are you postmodern? Are you, do you not take God's word seriously? He says, this is my body. Mm. And before you assume that we're liberal or we're trying to impose our Western view of the text or a naturalist worldview upon the text, we all believe in a bodily resurrection of Jesus. You know, we yeah. believe in some insane things that are not naturalistic. So we, we believe in these things. We're just trying to let the text tell us what we should believe instead of impose what we think the text should mean. Right. And that's really important is, is part. I think there's a tension whenever we study the Bible that if you don't take something literal, that you're not taking it seriously. Mm. Right. You know, or you're liberal or you're, you know, you're trying to take away from the power of the text because you're, mm-hmm. you're tr- it's too much. But what, what does the text say? Well, he says, this is my body. So it's like, oh, well, he says, this is my body as he's pointing to bread, giving it to them. But yet in the immediate context, we just have to stop and think, well, Jesus is sitting there w- with them mm-hmm. at this table. And he's saying, this is my body <laughs> as he's handing them bread. Mm-hmm. So just even the immediate context, I think for any Jew, they wouldn't have a concept Jesus would have to go above and beyond to say, hey, guys, this is actually transforming into my body as I give it to you. You're right. It, for, for him to go out of their categories and build a completely new category of like transubstantiation or however you say that word. Can that someone help me? Transubstantiation. Thank you. That's it. It's that. It, I said it kind of right. Basically, Basically yeah. yeah. That was good. Without confidence. That, <laughs> yeah. That's what it means. Okay. <laughs> he would have to. He, it wouldn't be like, oh, that's what all Jews would think. In fact, historically, they would hand out bread at the Passover and say, this is the bread of the affliction of our ancestors. Mm -hmm. And they wouldn't literally think this is the same bread that they had in the wilderness. It it, it was just symbolic Mm -hmm. to them. So it was already a symbolic meal is what you were saying. Right. And so one of the kind of uh, 
exegesis or, or Bible study methods we have is that if there's a pattern from the Old Testament, we want to make sure that we recognize that pattern and assume that pattern unless there's some distinctive differences that would make us say this is different. Sure. So if Jesus is saying, now this, this bread is transforming as my flesh, even though I'm right there in front of you, that, that's a huge step that would be paradigm shifting and sacrilegious for them. Because he's about to say, this is my blood. Mm. Right? They're not allowed to eat blood as Jews. Mm. They're not allowed to have rare steaks or medium rare. I mean, they never had a good steak in their life. Right? <laughs> this, this would be So for him to just completely change all their Jewish history and all their expectations, he needs to make that very clear. Mm-hmm. And yet, just in the immediate context... He's right there in front of them, handing them bread and saying, this is my body. So right there, I just, as I read that, I'm like, "Ah, I don't think that they would think this is something that's transferring. Something's changing. Mm -hmm. Um, Sure. No, that's so helpful. And I 100% agree with that. And I think if you add the context of the Old Covenant to this passage, it becomes even clearer that we're talking about signs and symbols. Mm. And he is talking about a new covenant in this text. In the Old Covenant, when it was first given, um, when God, well, when God, sorry, even before the Old Covenant, when God made the Abrahamic Covenant, he gave him the sign of circumcision, mm. and he says that, um, he says that that in verse uh, Genesis seventeen eleven that it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and you. Mm. So whenever you see covenants in the Bible, you see signs that accompany them. And signs, um, well, we can talk later about what signs do, but basically basically they strengthen the promise that a covenant is giving. So signs are there to strengthen the promise to the one receiving it. Like a rainbow, a reminder that God is faithful. That's right. Every time you see it. That's right. It's supposed to strengthen the the force of that promise to to Noah Mm. that God won't flood the earth again, and to us that God won't flood the earth again. And so as soon as we're seeing Jesus give a new covenant with new promises to his people, we should be thinking, well, where are the new signs? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Where are the new signs that are going to strengthen those promises to us and strengthen our conscience and strengthen our assurance? Yeah. And so in this meal, when Jesus is holding up bread and cups and saying, this is my body, this is my blood, we should be thinking, oh, good, here are the signs that accompany this covenant that are there to strengthen our confidence in the promises that Jesus is making. Uh, This would have been something that we should be anticipating as we are aware that the old covenant has signs, so also does the new covenant. Mm -hmm. So then we can ask ourselves, well, in this context, does Jesus give any reason to, to veer from that pattern? Well, what do signs often do? Throughout the old covenant, he would often say, hold these feasts. Why? To remember, remember, do not forget. Isn't that the emphasis we heard in Old Testament survey all the time? Remember, do not forget. Remember, do not forget. Sure. Because we forget. Yeah. And what does Jesus say? Do this. Do what? Like, take this body, take it. And I would say do this is present tense continual because of what uh, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 11 when he repeats this passage. He says, do this as often as you take of this, this meal until the, the Lord's return or to, to uh, proclaim until the Lord's death until he comes. Right. So I take it as doing this specifically um, so that we can... Rem- Why? He says, do this in remembrance of me. Mm. So he doesn't say do this to, to, to feed on me or because my presence will be, but to remember what I did for you and what I will be doing for you. Right. It's a remembrance because signs help us remember. Mm. Helps us remember in a very... Um, hostile spiritual climate where we have spiritual amnesia all the time. Mm-hmm. Remind us. It's not because we need spirit, physical nourishment. And that makes us even think about another passage, right? About eating something, eating and drinking. Um, Daniel, do you, you, you were mentioning this in prep about John chapter 6, about eating and drinking. 
Yeah. Yeah. John six. Uh, I love this passage. Jesus is teaching the crowds who he's just fed miraculously, right? That, um, there's a problem that they have. Their, their problem is that they're running after him and they want to make him king because he fed them. You know, they're, they're, they're looking for physical nourishment. Mm-hmm. And they're, so they're, they're saying, be king so you can give us what we want. Give he's us free like, stuff. Yeah. And he's like, guys, that's, that's not the point of this. My food is, uh, sorry, this food, what I just did, this miracle is pointing you to me. And he says, I am food. I am the bread of life. John 6, 48. And, and he compares, he, he says, your fathers, you know, back, back to the story of the, the, the um, Israelites in the wilderness eating. He says, they ate manna in the wilderness and they died. And he says, this is the, the bread that comes down from heaven so that one may eat of it and not die. Mm-hmm. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world, here's where it gets weird, is my flesh. Then the Jews disputed, disputed among themselves. They say, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? So they go, they go literal, right? <laughs> they go literal. They're like, that's so weird that you said that. And Jesus says, truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. So Jesus Jesus says this, this crazy thing, eat my flesh, drink my blood. And they want to they wanna interpret literally, but, but he is in this whole teaching leading them away from a, a literal, I believe, leading them away from a literal understanding of... Uh, he is bread. He's equal to, mm-hmm. to, um, to like physical bread, but he's saying like, you need me. Like I'm, I'm spiritual food. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm something more than, than this physical thing before you. Uh, yeah, I, Jesus is, he's going symbolic here. He's, he's pointing them to the fact that he is true food and they need him. Yep. You guys can fill that in. Yep. That wasn't super clear at the end there, but no, that's good. Yeah. Well, I mean, John does that all the time. Multiple signs are at John. Yeah. We see John ten talks about I'm the the door, where he's not saying I'm actually a door. Yeah, right. Yeah. But right. like he's the way, right? He, right. He's, John, John one, he's the word, right? right? He's not literally words on a dictionary page, right? So all these pictures, he's a shepherd. All these the words, light of the world, light of the world, are all pointing at who he is at his essence and what we need from him and 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 all the scriptures they're not culminating in that we can finally feast on his body yeah it it just even if that was true i'll i'd be willing to accept if that's true if that's what the scriptures taught because i want to humble myself and not let my instincts of what feels right or what sounds good like that sounds weird like eating somebody right but if that's biblical then okay all right i just need to renew my mind yeah but i don't think i need to renew my mind here because i don't think any of the scriptures are pointing towards that i think it's missing it so we're again trying to push against this idea that literal means being faithful right literal is only faithful if that's what the text is requiring it to be literal yeah yeah and i think so someone with like a catholic or a lutheran view might see our push to say, no, these are signs and symbols as lowering or degrading the supper and saying, we're saying it's less than they're saying it. And I would push back and say that 
The supper doesn't have to be really Jesus's body and blood in order to give us real spiritual yeah. nourishment. That's right. Like I, I do, I do a hundred percent believe that when we take the Lord's Supper weekly, we are receiving real spiritual nourishment through right. the supper. Yes. yes. Um, that that signs and and things that God uses to assure us of our promises are real grace that our souls need. Yeah. That that's right. not just like some nice religious ceremony we're yeah. putting on, but like. I'm prone to drift towards unbelief each week, yeah. and, and and my God has given me a symbol to strengthen my faith each week. That's right. And I want to partake of that, and I believe that that's real spiritual grace that's coming to me. Yeah. So I don't I don't think that we have an artificial meal or a fake supper with just signs. I think we have a real supper with real signs that are really building up faith of people who yeah. take it. And yeah. so I, I, I still have this incredibly high view of the supper. Totally. And don't think you need to go to this kind of mysterious step in order to have a huge view of what the Lord's Supper does for right. God's people. I, mm-hmm. I've heard, that's so good, I've heard some people push back like, you know, when you take it symbolic, that's because you're you're taking a Platonistic kind of worldview, right? Uh, a dichotomy between physical and the spiritual, right? Because you, you have to make everything spiritual. No, no, no. I think that's where the text goes. Because what does the text do so often that's so challenging for us is that it's it's by faith, is by sight. It's, not by, it's, it's by spiritual sight. Mm-hmm. It's not physical. Yeah. And, and, and when we try to make it physical, I think that's where we lose things, right? And, and that our struggle all the time with the Lord is like, God, I got to just, if you just let me see it physically, then I'll believe, right? And it's like, no, 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 by, by sight, by, by the seeing of the eyes of your heart. Sure. And, and I think the, the instinct to want to make it literally physical is, is less biblical, honestly. Mm. You know, it's, I get it. I get that desire for that. Sure. Um, but he's given us signs of, of the coming Solid physical, yeah, so we totally believe in the the new new heavens, new earth coming onto the earth. The this cube that represents the holy of holies, God coming down, and it's going to be physical and it's going to renew all the earth. So we believe in that. So we're not Platonists. It's not all about spiritual, mm-hmm. but yeah. it just seems like the text goes there. And just back to Luke twenty two, and he says this: Do this in remembrance of me. Likewise, okay, likewise, that's an important word. The cup after they eaten, saying, "This cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood." So what is this modifying cup? Mm. Just like this is modifying body, right? This is yes. my body. Now he's saying this is the covenant is my cup, is this cup? So if we have to find that cup to have the new covenant? No, we have the new covenant. It's written on our hearts mm. according to Jeremiah and Ezekiel 36 and Jeremiah 31. Right. Right? It's not, it's, the cup is representing, I think it's really helpful when you look at all the other synoptic, synoptic, synoptics, synoptic gospels, gospels. What is wrong with me? Help me. Synoptic? Synoptic. Synoptic, yes. Weird. <laughs> if you look at Matthew and Mark, it, he doesn't say this is a cup. He says this is my blood. And then if you look at Paul's rendition of this, he synthesizes it and say this is the, this cup is the new covenant. Mm, so how sure. do we put all that together? Are there... I think they're all just getting at the point that Jesus is saying this, what I'm doing here, what this cup represents is the new covenant. My blood poured out for you for the yeah. forgiveness of sins. Yeah. yeah. And so there's just no way. So if you, if you want to take a literal, if you want to be consistent in a literal interpretation, then you need to say that cup is the covenant. Sure. And I just don't think you could say like that, that little that, cup. That little cup you better find that thing. You got to find that cup yeah. or you don't have the new covenant. Right. <laughs> Everyone doesn't have, we're all in the old covenant or we're outside of the covenant as pagans, as, mm-hmm. as, as Gentiles. I just, I, I want to respect my brothers and sisters throughout time who, who take a literal position, but I'm just saying, just exegetically, I mean, you just can't, I, I just don't see that here. Yeah. 
And where I guess I would go with this is is that um, as the Lord's Supper being signs is to see that as we have a God who is so interested in building up our faith. Mm. Like these are, we should celebrate that he yes. would do this. Yeah. He gave us the words of scripture to strengthen our faith, but he's so interested in, in strong faith that he also gives visible pictures and tangible pictures. Mm-hmm. So it's just more ways of communicating to our weak hearts, right. the fullness of who he is, that he gives words and he gives pictures and it just connects with more of us. Yep. And, and we're receiving the word each week and receiving symbols each week. Yep. And we're just receiving more of God through all these different avenues and ways that mm-hmm. he's designing. And so yep. I, I love, I love this view of the Lord's Supper. Yep. And I love that these signs are given to totally. us by God. And, yep. and I don't think it lowers the Lord's Supper one degree at all. Amen. It just makes Amen. it more simple and understandable to me. Yeah. To me that this, this is transforming into something that, yeah. that, that seems to remove it a step from me. Like, I don't understand what yeah, this yeah. is about, but yeah. I, I, I get my God is giving me a sign so I can believe in him more. That, that makes sense to me. That yeah. I, I really am encouraged by that. Yeah, and I really, uh, I, I wish that we had some Catholic brothers and sisters here or some, some Lutherans that, that, you know, have a little different view on this. But one danger that I see that I would, I would push on a brother or sister who holds uh, a more literal view is that um, believing that, you know, the phys- those elements are the body and blood of Christ, I think um, it trains people to put more faith in those things those things That's in right. that moment yeah. than in Christ yeah. every mm. single what they day. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's similar really to what good. they were doing with John 6, yeah. right? That they were they were like, we want the bread. Yeah. But he's like, no, look to me. These are the shadow. Yeah. yeah. And and so what, what you're just saying, Ross, is right on. Like Jesus wants us to come to him. He wants us to have a rock solid faith in him. He doesn't mm. want us to put faith in a, a place that we come to worship where we, we eat a particular thing that's been prayed over by a particular person with yeah. a particular anointing. No, yeah. the goal is that we would come to Jesus and that our faith would be stirred mm. and that we would see that this is for us. The yeah. Lord poured out his, his blood on the cross. He, his body was broken yeah. so that by faith in him, this is what the whole covenant is built upon. It, right. the, the faith like Abraham, who believed the promise, right? That all of us would become children of God through faith uh, in Christ. That's the yes. point. So, yeah, that's that's something that I'm sure I'd love to hear pushback again. But that's that's something that I think is is really important in that's this huge. whole picture. Yeah, and, and I think one final thing we could say to to wrap it up, if, if unless you guys want to add anything to it, is this whole idea of the Lord's Supper bringing the presence of God. You just think about biblical theology, and that's just kind of tracing a theme throughout the Old Testament to the New Testament, and just how God progressively reveals himself and his plan and his heart through a certain theme. And we trace this idea of the presence of God. So the presence of God, we we lose the physical Shekinah presence of God in the garden. We kicked out because of our rebellion, our, our, our ancestors, um, our, our father and, and mother, Adam and Eve. And then they're searching for God's presence. And so God has to find a way to mediate his presence, bring heaven on earth without obliterating sinful man. It's so what he does. He, he starts, he gives little glimpses throughout the, the uh, Old Testament. And then it see, we see it in the uh, David's tabernacle, eventually Solomon's temple, and the mm-hmm. Shekinah goes into the temple. And then, and then, and then the, 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 the spirit of God, the Shekinah leaves in uh, Ezekiel. Uh, and then we, it's empty for, for generations. Sure. And then in walks Emmanuel, God with us, right? Jesus comes into the scene. And then at his death, what happens? The curtain is torn. Mm -hmm. Because what happens in Pentecost, the spirit, the presence of God actually comes and inhabits his people. 
And so the temple is mobile. It's no longer limited to a time and space or, uh, or uh, 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 anything physical, but it's actually mobile through God's people. Right. And so and so Jesus says, you know, um, I am with you in, in Matthew 20 in his parting words before the ascension. And, and you see this this picture of, uh, you know, where two or three is gathered there, I'm with him. You just see this idea that the presence of God is now within his people mm. and not in like a physical, like bread and juice or wine. Sure, sure. And it just it just goes against that whole theme that, that God's people will saturate the world with his presence and the presence of God is mobile until finally the fullness of God's presence will come down and, and, and cover everything. Right. And so that's the great hope. And so every time we take the Lord's Supper, church, we are reminding that day where the presence of God is coming everywhere. And these symbols are gifts, these tangible gifts, because we're physical people to help us feel and touch. And, and this is this really happened. This really happened in history. Yeah. And, and we're, we're getting a glimpse uh, or a reminder of what he did, what he's doing right now and what he will do. Mm-hmm. So hopefully that's helpful. Feel free to follow up if there's things that you didn't see. But we're just trying to be faithful um, interpreters of God's word. And we'll go symbolic or we'll go literal if we see it. And if you can convince us, we'll go literal. It, but, but this is what we see. Yeah. Yeah. Really good stuff, good. guys. Uh, lots more questions to be asked. Um, yeah. You know, like, should we uh, should we take this in our you know mm-hmm. in our private you know uh, quiet time mm-hmm. you know by ourselves at a wedding? Or, yeah, you know, yeah. The, how do you discern the body in First Corinthians ten? You know, why are some people dying? Why is it so divisive? Yeah, there's lots of different questions, and we'll we'll hopefully cover that. We'll try to come back to it. So yeah. thanks for listening. We love you, church, and we'll be back. God bless. <laughs>